And now our good news comes to us from John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. The Holy Gospel according to John, the 10th chapter. Glory Glory to to you, you, O Lord. Lord. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters the gate by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what it was that he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. This is the gospel of the Lord. What comes to your mind when you think of the image in this passage? There's a lot of images embedded into this gospel for us today, but what do you think of when you hear those words of Jesus being a gate? When I was younger, probably about four or five years old, my mom had the great idea, so she thought, of having a green chain link fence put up around my play area, around my swing set, around all of my toys, my bike, and the little blue Flintstones car that I had with like the hole in the bottom that I could pedal myself. And what do you think I thought of it? I hated it. I hated being in there every single minute. I cried because of course, the gate, the door, had a latch on it that was just out of my reach. So I couldn't come and go as I pleased. I would rather have been on the other side of that fence with none of my toys and without my swing set than to be locked up inside that area with everything. Now, of course, from my mom's perspective, She thought it was a great idea in order to keep me safe, in order to not have to worry that I would go chasing after my ball into the street and potentially get hit by a car. She put that chain link fence up in order to protect me. I wonder if Jesus uses this image for us in a similar way. Jesus is the gatekeeper as a way to protect us, to keep us safe from all that would try to take us away, that would try to steal us or harm us or even kill us 
and our relationship with God. In our passage, Jesus makes references to the Old Testament story in Ezekiel 34, where the kings of Israel at that time were regarded as bad shepherds who were not doing diligence in protecting the sheep that they had been entrusted with. And so in that story, God intervenes until the point in which he can entrust his people into the hands of King David. And in Jesus' day, it's the Pharisees who Jesus is talking about, who are the ones who are putting up all of these roadblocks risking people's lives because they can't see for themselves who Jesus is or from where he has come. In the story that comes just before this one, the chapter-long story in in chapter 9 of the man who had been born blind, we hear all throughout it about how the man heard Jesus' voice all throughout And he was able to see, to spiritually see and physically see who Jesus was, more than a prophet, but the one who had come from God to save. The Pharisees, on the other hand, were not able to see that for themselves. It's not so easy to hear Jesus' voice speaking to us, hey? I remember one time in seminary, there was a conference that I was supposed to attend uh, on the outskirts of Chicago in the Schaumburg area, and I was going to it for the entire weekend. And two friends of mine were going to be at the conference as well, but they were only planning to stay for a part of it. And so they thought it would be best for us to drive separately, but on the way down, they had said, follow us because we know the area pretty well, we can take you exactly where you need to go, and then on the way home, you'll kind of have a sense of how to get back. And so, we started taking off, and of course, this is Chicago, and it was like right in the middle of rush hour evening traffic, and you know how that goes, you kind of move over a lane so that you can let other people coming onto the freeway, and then you kind of get stuck behind someone that's going a little bit slower than you are, so you move over another lane and eventually pass around them, and then, you know, you notice someone coming up behind you that's going a little bit fast, and so you kind of just have to, like, you know, keep up with the flow of traffic, if you know what I mean, and so then, lo and behold, what happened, but turns out the friends that I was following I somehow happened to get in front of them on the expressway, and lo and behold, what happens? I felt it. And then I began to hear it. I began to hear the sounds that something was wrong with my car. My little white Ford Tempo that I used to drive back and forth to Chicago so many times. And so I looked over my shoulder to like safely make my way back over through all those lanes of traffic at rush hour and pulled over to the side of the road, got out, and wouldn't you know it, my front tire was completely flat and the cars are whizzing past me. 
So I get back into my car and I start to like try and find my AAA card to call for a tow truck when lo and behold, who passes me but the very car I was supposed to be following. Not sure exactly how that happens. <sighs> Sometimes we have trouble when it comes to following even when it's obvious to us of who we are following. Last week, Pastor Josh talked about that line from the Emmaus Road story in Luke's Gospel when we hear of Cleopas and his companion walking along the way, so distraught with confusion and disbelief, trying to make sense of everything that had just occurred in the last few days. When, out of nowhere... This traveler appears at their side and questions what it is that they are talking about. And they're so surprised that there could be anyone who hasn't heard all of the things that have taken place. And so as they share the events of the last few days with him, they say, we had hoped. We had hoped that he would have been the Messiah this is a time for us to do the same. To lift up all of the things we had once hoped that now aren't going to be in the way that we had hoped. Someone once told me that I needed to stop wishing. To stop myself every time I was about to say, I wish that, when I knew that what I was wishing for was never going to be because of the circumstances. And I always struggled with that. But what I think she was trying to get at was that to use the phrase, I hoped, I had hoped that, would be a better way to acknowledge the grief of whatever it was that would no longer be possible in a way that would still allow me to move forward into a reality that still had the possibility of bringing a blessing I couldn't yet imagine. This is where Jesus ultimately leads us through this passage today as he reminds us again of the reason why he came, to bring life, to bring life, and not just any kind of life, but to give us life abundantly. It might be hard to think about what that even looks like these days, but perhaps we can by thinking about what abundant life is not. I asked James, our six-year-old, who has been studying the planets and our moon the last couple of weeks through online school. And I asked him the question if he would ever want to travel to the moon someday. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And he said, no, they don't have pools on the moon. How could I have asked such a question? Because for him, abundant life includes lakes and rivers and oceans and most definitely pools for someone to be able to enjoy and delight in. 
and play in. For him, abundant life also includes this living water that Jesus describes to us in John chapter 4. What does abundant life look like in your mind? For right now, maybe it looks like a day that comes where there are no more worries. Nothing that weighs so heavy on your heart any longer. Nothing that is constantly swirling around endlessly within your mind. Maybe it looks like a day when doctors and nurses and mental health professionals are busy doing the work of wellness checkups with smiles across their face, where the threat of disease or illness is a distant thought. And they can be focused on the joys of doing what they do to help educate people, to take care of, and to help people to stay encouraged to keep on practicing healthy living along life's way. Maybe abundant life looks like a day where there is no shortage of food on the shelves, where there is no tummy that goes hungry, but where you find yourself gathered around a table that is bustling with people, where everyone has more than enough to eat, and where the food that is shared, some of it food that you have never eaten in your life, becomes the best you have ever had. And just maybe, abundant life looks like a day where the one who opens the gate for us to say this way, follow me, and I will lead you to the one who created it all and to whom you belong. And maybe... Maybe that's the reason why the fenced-in area around my playset was not so appealing. Because as an only child, I was always there by myself. But Jesus, Jesus always leads us to the one who created us to the one who seeks nothing than to be close to us and to be more deeply in relationship with us, who is always at the center of it all. Do you hear that? I think I hear Jesus calling for you and for me. Amen.